0: This is episode 57 of the 200 Churches Podcast.
1: I've got to get my church big and only then can I fulfill the Great Commission. Only then will it be adequate to do what Jesus is calling us to do. If we wait until our church reaches a certain size to pull the trigger on reaching our community, we'll never get there. We've got to realize that right now, whatever size we are, God knows how big we are. God knows how small we are. God knows the people we have and don't have in our church. And He can use us right now. Our size does not hinder Him.
0: Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, where we're focused on pastors of small churches. 200 churches. Every Wednesday, we release an episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. Today, the guys are joined by Carl Vaders from NewSmallChurch.com. His name is Carl, and he is a small church pastor. And now, here are two guys who lead in pastor in a 200 church, the Smothers Brothers of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny.
2: This is the 200 Churches podcast. As usual, I am Johnny Craig, and I'm here
0: You did it again. It's fine. You did it again. It's
2: not a problem. Are you
0: usually Johnny Craig? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to go down this road with you again. I am usually Johnny Craig. As usual, you're Johnny Craig. And I'm
2: here with my guy,
0: Jeff Katie. Jeff Katie. Good to be here, Johnny.
2: (laughs) It's always good to be in the 200 Churches studio. It feels like home. Well, for you, it is home.
0: Kind of home.
2: (laughs) You know, well, this is oh, this
0: is the rest of my house isn't as opulent and luxurious. That's the
2: gold plating on the walls, it's not as
0: ostentatious. Ooh,
2: look at you! Yes, that
0: word of the day calendar I bought you is paying off. Hey, this our our listeners need to know. This is the freshest sound they're ever going to hear from us. Yeah, unless someday we do it live, that'd be fun. Because we are recording this intro at nine ten p.m. Tuesday night, February the. What's the date? Yeah. The 11th. Yeah, the 11th. the 11th. Yeah, so this thing's going to go live
2: in less than three hours. So you are hearing it. This is, as, this is hot off the presses, if, I mean, if we had presses. <laughs> I'm so old. I'm talking about newspapers. So we're
0: getting ready to start. We're, we're about ready to push record here, and Johnny gets a call. And I had from, to take it. Usually I ignore calls while right. we're in the studio, but I had to take it. It's from our friend Eric, whose last name will remain synonymous. Our friend Eric. <laughs> yeah, Eric. Tell tell the tell Eric our listeners. is
2: getting Eric is getting on a plane as we speak. Right now, Tuesday. Right night. this moment. He's getting on a plane and he's gonna be flying to South Africa. He and his wife are adopting a little six year old girl there in South Africa, and they are going to get her.
0: And Eric was with Johnny and I on our first day of class. We know Eric as long as we know each other. Yeah. Eric was one of our, he was in our cohort. Yeah. What a great guy. He and his wife are in the Minneapolis area and they are are adopting. It's just one little girl? It's one little girl from South Africa. Yeah. She
2: is beautiful. I've seen the pictures and they are so excited. They're going to be fantastic parents. Eric and Jessa. I hope you're listening to this in South Africa. Congratulations on getting there. We are so happy for you. I'm stupid happy for them. And Eric's going to be there
0: for, what did he say, six weeks? Yeah,
2: six weeks. Man, oh, man. That's nuts. So good congratulations on them. That's a great and awesome thing. So you're our friends. We wanted to share our friend with you and what Eric is doing. Speaking of friends, Jeff, I think we should take this time, this opportunity, this chance... To recognize some of our friends of the podcast.
0: We've never done this before. No, this is uh, this is all new. We've never done this. This We've is got, hot off
2: the presses. <laughs> we,
0: we, it is. It is. We've got some subscribers to our 200churches.com blog. Yep. And subscribers like Jim Barnett, Greg Middlebrook, Hal, Hal, I just want to say this, Hal the Hammer Wilcox. That sounds like a great like baseball name from the. 40s. No, no, I think he's a wrestler. Oh, okay. Hell, no offense, no offense. Um, Darcy Knight. Yep. Jared Hughes. He's going to be president someday. That's also a great name, President Jared Hughes.
2: Also, Abigail Vignes, Paul Newell. Kinda of sounds like Paul Newman. Do you do you make salad dressings? He's Paul? better.
0: Paul, you're better looking than Paul Newman. Newell. Newell's own Newman. salad dressing. Newell's own salad dressing.
2: <laughs> Sabrina? She's so cool. She didn't even go to that last name. You don't name. need a last name. It's Sabrina. It's Sabrina. It's
0: just Sabrina. Sabrina, thank you for subscribing to 200 Churches. Craig
2: Spofford.
0: We know Craig, Craig Spofford. Craig was with Johnny and I and Eric. And the cohort. In the summer of twenty ten. Craig Spofford, you dirty bird. Thank Craig, you for subscribing. And Craig, then s- Craig Craig the Anvil. Ooh. Spofford. And then one more.
2: Stephen Brown. That sounds like the prime minister of Canada.
0: Ireland. Ooh. Ireland. Anyway, it is so good. <laughs> it is so good to have you. We you are men sorry and women. that
2: we dragged your names through the mud, but we do appreciate that you subscribe to the podcast. We're uh, doing it and in love, that, though. Oh, absolutely. In and that they would, you're journeying with us. If you're subscribing, then we consider you partners in some way with us. You are on this journey with us. Uh, to to spread this message of encouragement for small church pastors as far as it can possibly go.
0: Now, these are some of the more recent subscribers. These are ones that have just come up just in the last few days, and so we just want to welcome you, say thank you, and it's so good to be uh, on the journey with you. Another guy who's on the journey with us is Carl
2: the Shark Vaders. And uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on the front end of this because Carl has some great content. So, Jeff, do you have any intro
0: words for Carl? Carl is a small church pastor in Southern California yep. in the shadow of the mighty mega churches down there, just a <laughs> yeah. stone's throw from a whole bunch of them. Uh, Carl has written the book, The Grasshopper Myth. If you've been listening to the 200 Churches podcast for more than four weeks, you've heard Carl before. And this week we are on blog post number two of his 12 Essentials which is titled, Your Church Is Big Enough.
2: That's right. And Carl came and talked to us. It was so great to have that time with him. He, he said it was 64 degrees in California today. 15 below
0: here the night before last. So eat
2: your heart out, Carl. <laughs> Without further ado, we should get the Jaws music. Dun-dun, oh, that would be so good. Dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. <laughs> Carl <laughs> Vaders. Here he is. We are so happy to have Carl Vaders back on the podcast with us today. If this is the first time you've listened to a podcast with Carl Vaders, I implore you to go back and listen to all of our talks with Carl Vaders. Carl, thank you so much for being on. Just briefly, for those maybe who don't know you, introduce yourself uh, just real quick.
1: Sure, I can do that. I'm Carl Vaders, and I'm a small church pastor. I've been pastoring the same small church here in... uh southern california for the last 21 years and uh, a couple years ago started looking around for help for small church guys like me and didn't find anything because you guys weren't podcasting then so i went out and wrote my own book and started my own blog and here we are today trying to share everything we can find to help other small church pastors
2: yeah, that's that's awesome, Carl, and we are so glad that we found you, and your book, The Grasshopper Myth, is a really uh, great encouragement for small church pastors and the connection that we've been able to have with you. Uh, that's actually some of the content that I have written down for our talk today, but we'll get to that when we get to it. But what we have been doing with you is going through the 12 essentials that you have up on your uh, website, newsmallchurch.com. Uh, you, you have a blog there, you do a great job, and you have the 12 essential posts that you say people
0: should read before they get into the other stuff. Carl, Carl why are those the essentials? How did you pick those out from all the others?
1: Uh, good question. They're They're the basics. And in the next 6 to 12 months, I'll probably pull a couple out and add a couple in or maybe expand it to 14. But if you read all of them, you'll get a pretty good idea of what we're basically all about. They're the kind of the fundamentals, the foundational principles, so that you can build from there.
0: Okay, and your second of the uh, Twelve Essentials, this is February, we're doing the second one, and the title is Your Church Is Big Enough. Now, Carl, I have a friend who's been my friend for 30 years, He's my best friend, Carl. You'll never topple him from my friend list. You'll always be under him. (laughs) And he he lives in Philadelphia. I'm sorry, Philadelphia. (laughs) And he said that if there are unsaved people in your community, your church is not big enough. Now, to be fair, I'm not sure he said it exactly like that, but it was close. And your retort your retort.
1: Well, I never thought about that. I need to write a different post.
0: Oh, I (laughs) knew it. (laughs) I knew it, Carl. Shallow, (laughs) shallow. You finally got
1: me. You finally got me. Uh, No, it's, it is an absolutely valid question. uh, Because by saying your church is big enough, what I'm not saying is that the job is done. um, Or that what we've got is adequate or that we should settle. On the other hand, if we're taking a look at the average town and the average state in the average country, uh, um, all the churches in that town aren't big enough to accomplish the job on their own. Hmm. Uh, only Christ within us is big enough. And I have found that Christ uh, alone, uh, as long as he's got a, a willing partner, then, uh, then his ability is big enough to do the job through anybody or through any group of people, no matter what size they are. So Does that sound spiritual? And yeah, I think that Carl or, just
2: Jesus juked you out of your shoes, man. You I... got nothing
0: for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, I can, and my friend Rob is listening right now. Rob, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, go after him. Go after the shark. Get him. Get him. So, Carl, what do you mean by your church is yeah. big enough? Just like, you know, in two sentences— yeah. Your church is big enough by what definition?
1: Right now, today, at its current size, no matter how big or small your church is, your church is big enough to do what Jesus is calling you to do right now. Right now, right now where you are right now with what Jesus wants you to do right now, your church is big enough right now. A year from now, what will it look like? We don't know. A year from now if God has a different job for you. He's going to give you tools adequate for that job. And that may mean a bigger church, or it just may mean a healthier church. It may mean a more outward-focused church. It may mean a more worshipful church. The premise of the title and the premise of the post is, too. I think too many small church pastors have been told for so many years that the church needs to be bigger. And we believed it so much that a lot of us have a feeling of inadequacy. Like, I've got to get my church big, and only then can I fulfill the Great Commission. Only then will it be adequate to do what Jesus is calling us to do. And if we wait until our church reaches a certain size to pull the trigger on reaching our community, we'll never get there. We've got to realize that right now, whatever size we are, God knows how big we are. God knows how small we are. God knows the people we have and don't have in our church. And he can use us right now. Our size does not hinder him.
2: Yeah, see, I love that because what you've encouraged people to do now is to put their eyes on the task, the task at hand, the ministry that's been placed in front of them. And you're not saying it's bad to grow. What you're saying is, no, your church is big enough to do exactly what you're supposed to do right now. These are the people God gave you. Don't go worrying about everybody else worry about the people god gave you and equip them to reach the world
0: and carl by the way for the yep. record that was more Absolutely. than two sentences <laughs> oh, okay. i mean just for the record
1: you can't be rude to carl oh. jeff you can't be rude
0: to <laughs> carl <laughs> you, hey I,
1: i'll go through i'll go through it and re- i'll go through it and repunctuate
0: later to make it two <laughs> there you go you know you have uh, you have some sub subsections in your blog post and in one of the questions here is isn't bigger better and you wrote down here that that right. the message the not always so subtle message behind most of the seminars and conferences we go to as pastors is your church isn't big enough it, it, your church should be growing um and it's that's all there's always that kind of implied if you were the kind of a church that God wants you to be, you would be a growing church. I'm convinced that all of us who have done conferences and invited people to come, we this has been an un we've done it unwittingly. We haven't meant to do it. We're trying to help people get yep. better, and we're trying to grow. You know, uh, our our comrades, but it gets repeated over and over until like a. Like a a bad statement, it just becomes law.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely true. I, I was a year and a half or so ago. I was at a conference and there was a pastor named Rod Loy speaking. I think he's from Chicago or somewhere in that area. And he started his talk to the pastors who were assembled by saying, "You know, I I, I pushed for a thousand and I got a thousand. I pushed for a church of two thousand. I got two thousand. Said after I got to two thousand, I was at twenty five hundred and I was jogging one day thinking, okay." How do I get to 3,000? And then he said, All of a sudden it hit me. When's it ever going to stop? Never. When am I ever going to say, Okay, I, it's not about just simply adding butts in the seats anymore? At some point, don't we have to look at it and go, We got to stop just chasing numbers for the sake of numbers. So it's not just the small church guys that are made to feel inadequate or faithless if we don't get to the next number. There's no size you'll ever get to where you're going to think that's enough. One, because of what your friend said, that there's always going to be unsaved people, and we always need to be reaching them, so we never settle. But also, because there's always going to be a bigger church, there's always going to be another number we can strive for, and at some point, I think it just becomes unhealthy.
0: Yeah, and you made a great point. It's not just the small church pastors that, that feel that guilt and that pressure. It doesn't matter what size your church is. I, I mean, I, I look at Saddleback, and they, they grew up into about 20,000, and for the last 10 years or so, um, you know, they've been planning churches, but they're not at 40,000. Now, why aren't they at forty thousand? Right. What's holding them back? They're you know, at that twenty thousand barrier, the dreaded twenty thousand barrier. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that's go. right, the yeah, twenty thousand barrier. Get stuck at the 20, oh barrier. man, so they need that twenty thousand breakthrough. Yeah. And and again, I, I hope <laughs> I hope nobody here. I, we're not bashing Saddleback. No, no, any no, they're great. Yeah. I love Saddleback. Changed my life and helped me as a pastor through a real tough time. So we're not doing that. But um, yeah, the twenty thousand barrier. So. <laughs> Again, your point that it's for all pastors and uh and all pastors need to know that where they're at they need to celebrate where they 're at and the people they have right now
2: yeah, the next subhead you have is healthy things grow right? I like the way you pose it as a question, and you talk about uh you know this this saying they say that if you 're healthy, you will grow um, and then you talk about yeah, and we have grown we were an unhealthy church of thirty five to fifty. And now we are a healthy church of 200. And you say, the 20,000 barrier was in my mind because I just read this. You say, yeah, we've been stuck at the so-called 200 barrier uh, for, a, for a decade now. And Jeff and I have talked about the 200 barrier on the podcast. Um, we've, we've talked to Jim Powell about it, the 200 barrier. And um, I had this thought that it's this bugaboo for pastors, whatever bar- the hundred barrier, the two hundred barrier, whatever barrier you're at, it's this terrible bugaboo. But like, who says you have to break it to be healthy? And, and I think that's the point that you're trying to make.
1: Yeah, exactly. And 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 I'm not naive. I'm very aware that. At some point between 150 to 350, and we settle on 200 kind of as an agreed number. At that point, if you're going to grow beyond that point, you do have to have a massive shift in the way you do ministry. It can't be one pastor taking care of anybody and everybody anymore. The the, the power and uh, authority and responsibility has to shift from a, a board or a committee to paid staff and there's a bunch of adjustments that have to be made so when i call it the so-called 200 barrier the so-called isn't applying to the 200 there is a shift that has to happen there when a church gets to that size and goes beyond it my so-called is connected to the word barrier i wish we could come up with a different word for barrier because barrier implies that on one side of the barrier is goodness and on the other side of the barrier is badness
2: right right
1: that's the implication. It's like the glass ceiling that you have to break through. It's not a barrier. It's it's an adjustment. And if you're going get, to get through that size and if God blesses your church to grow bigger, then you're going to have to make that adjustment so you don't lose the blessing of people that God is bringing in. Uh, but for those who are running, you know, in the teens or the hundreds or the one fifties or around two hundred like our church has for years. there's no inadequacy in our number right now because we're operating uh, as I believe Jesus wants us to for the size that we are.
2: Yeah, I think the rhetoric and we've talked about this before, the rhetoric and language that surrounds church size is so crazy. I was writing something the other day and I I found myself I wrote the top one percent of churches, and I went back and I erased it and I wrote the largest one percent of churches. What makes yeah. them top? You know, uh, you know, top is this somehow ranked system like they're on top or on bottom, but we you know, numbers don't equal uh, some higher ranking in any sort of way. It's just interesting the rhetoric that surrounds churches and church growth. Um, it's definitely geared toward making people feel again inadequate. About where their church is.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great point to make, and I've done it too. I've I've written blog posts and and then have had to go through it and correct language just like that. Changed top to to largest or biggest because it's it's in it's completely ingrained within our culture that bigger is better. I, I think it's a particularly and not exclusively, but a particularly American or certainly Western mindset. Uh, we Americans really just love bigger things, and we're convinced bigger is better. Well, uh, and, yeah, and it just isn't all the time. There are some.
0: Well, and if we we're if we're going to pretend that our culture is not influencing us in how we view our churches you know our our business culture and our and our success culture and even our advertising and marketing culture has certainly influenced us on how we view church and instead of using some of those principles to help us in ministry they've actually redefined how we view our ministries
1: yeah unquestionably so i mean you, you and i know all the three of us have been to enough pastors conferences to know that the language of business leadership So infiltrated the way ministers talk to each other and the way ministers talk about church that sometimes we've often replaced a biblical mindset with a business mindset. And it's not that we can't learn from each other. It's not that we can't look at a good business model and say, hey, I can take certain things from that and I can understand better how to do management because of that. Moses learned from Jethro, after all, which is the the one big one that everybody likes to put out there, and and understandably so, because it's a valid one. But there's a big difference between taking occasional methodologies from business and taking on a business mindset rather than a biblical mindset. And I, I'm afraid that too many times we've crossed that line.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I and I was I remember reading "Marketing the Church" by I think it was George Barna way back in '91, I think or '92, yeah. and thinking, man, this is fantastic stuff. And at the time, it it really was. If you took the good stuff out of it, and who knows, probably 85 to 95 percent of it was really good. And then there were maybe a little bit that you just you just wouldn't translate into your church world. But we were so not thinking clear-headedly back in those days, uh, we were so not thinking about how we could do our ministries with excellence that a book like that came along and we thought, oh, wow, yeah, we could actually do this in the church. It would actually encourage our people. But again, I I do think that's different from looking at the church and defining it by how we define business.
1: Yeah, the the pendulum tends to swing and everybody does. this not just in the church world, but everybody Mm -hmm. does. So up until that era that you're talking about, the era of George Barna and Bill Hybels writing their books, The Frog in the Kettle and those kinds of things, the the church mindset was virtually anti-business methodology. We just, it was ungodly and we had to stay away from it. And then a few of them brought in some points like marketing the church, realizing Hey, wait a minute, we can learn some methodological things here. But then we swung the pendulum way too far to where we're now switching our mindset over to that. And now I hope this pendulum swings back somewhere towards the middle, where we have a biblical mindset to our approach to the church and use whatever good methods we can find from wherever we find them.
0: Yeah. And you know, again, talking about large churches, a friend of mine said, to me, yeah, I was listening to your podcast until you started bashing large churches. And I thought, oh no, you know, I've worked so hard to not do that. And I think the whole point of what you're trying to do and what we're trying to do is, you know, we want to praise the large churches. We love the large churches, they're wonderful. The problem is the small church guys think that they're not, and it's yeah. absolutely upside down. Small churches yeah. are wonderful. The small church pastors are doing phenomenal jobs and can and shouldn't be walking around with their with their chin on their chest.
2: I, anybody who thinks yeah.
0: Jeff would bash a large church, I'd,
2: I've never met anybody with more of a man crush on Andy Stanley and Bill Hybels and Rick Warren <laughs> than Jeff Katie. Come on now. This guy—it's <laughs> <laughs> just a bromance, straight across the board. I had such—you
1: uh, know—usually I can come up with something. I can't even think of a way to respond. It's—it's bro-
0: it's romantic. It's it hey, super bromantic. My wife and I, when we went in October of '97, my wife was carrying my youngest son. So I tell Mitch, "Mitch, you've been to Saddleback, you know you there weren't you born yet, but it's all right." Uh, we it was so life changing, so joy filled and encouraging. We we couldn't believe how wonderful it was. Yeah. We thought we'd gone to you know the second heaven at least, the if second, not the third. Th- yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I don't think
2: that's not what Carl's about. That's not what we're about. We talked to Dan Ryland for goodness sake at Twelve Stone. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. So that's we right. we got a lot of love for large church. We just we just want small church pastors to know, hey. You are so important and and deserve to be encouraged as well. And that's actually the way you kind of end this blog. You say it's time to stop worrying about what we can't do because we're small and start asking what Jesus can do with us. And then you use a word here that I love, because we're small. Not not in spite of the fact that we're. And I love that because you're saying, hey, small is strong. There is strength in your size. Use
1: it. Leverage it in kingdom ways. Yeah, I, I was having a conversation with someone today who was just new to the whole concept and was kind of drilling me because everybody's always skeptical at first. They're they they're convinced that you're going to be anti-big church or something like that, or that you're going to be settling into smallness. And so the way I described it to him, and I've written uh, stuff about it, was I said, I- imagine you've got 10,000 people sitting in one church under one pastor, and you've got 10,000 people sitting in 100 churches under 100 pastors. Which of those is better? Or which of those do you think the kingdom of God should do without? Uh, I think they both matter. I think there are benefits to both. 10,000 people meeting in 100 different churches under 100 pastors can be one in 100 different locales with 100 different styles, reaching 100 different segments of the population. And that's something that 10,000 people all in one place can't do. But ten thousand people all in one place in a mega church, under a singular vision, with all of their resources pooled, can do certain things that the one hundred churches spread out over, you know, a hundred different places can't do. Everybody brings something to the mix, and I think the kingdom of God is poorer if you leave either side out.
0: And that's the whole point. The point is really not to speak to large churches so much because, uh, you know, they're healthy and uh, they're getting uh, they're getting a lot of press. But the small churches where the guys and the ladies are discouraged. Uh, that's kind of our ministry, and that's your ministry. Carl, it's so good to have you. I mean, we call you the shark. I'm not really sure why, because Carl Darth <laughs> Vader. I noticed a... <laughs>
1: that last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I
0: like that. I like Carl the shark Vader. Oh, it,
1: it was better than before when you called me rabid
0: you are you're a rabid small church proponent. i love it you're the
2: reason yeah. they think we're bashing
1: i, I, I like the large both churches. but i'll go with shark if i have a choice okay
0: perfect okay well hey listen uh there's no more blood in the water for this uh, episode so we're going to <laughs> we're going to send it into the can and uh say goodbye to carl vaders until next month until thanks March. thanks for joining
2: us carl
1: all righty I'll, I'll resist the temptation to say see you later chum okay
0: all right. <laughs> bye take care carl that was Carl Vader's talking about. Our church is big enough, and I really appreciate that message because no matter what size your church is, your church really is big enough. It is big enough. It's big enough for today. And we don't want you. We don't want to feel. Nor do we want you to feel like if your church were just, you know, how, how much is enough? If it were just fifty more people, just a right. hundred more people, just yeah. five more people. No, your church and my church. They're big enough today to do what God's calling us to do today.
2: Yeah, and then the last point he made was about the fact that as a small church, you are a strong church. There are things that you can do as a small church because you're small, not in spite of, but because you're small. And so how will we leverage our size in positive ways? How will we take advantage of that? And Jeff and I were talking, and this weekend is Valentine's Day. Um, If you're listening to this in the future, I hope the cars are flying. But this weekend is Valentine's <laughs> Day, and um, our church for the second year is doing something that we call Dover Date Night. That's the name of our church. Is Dover? We went with the you know classy name there. The alliteration. The you alliteration. like alliteration. We could have done Dover Date Day, but it's
0: actually night. Yeah, that's true.
2: Anyways, the whole point is just to give parents a night of free babysitting. Drop your kids off at the church. We will watch them. Not just watch them. We'll give them a great time. The kids loved it last year. They're telling their parents, I don't care if you go on a date or not that night. You're dropping us off at the church. So this is something that we do. And Jeff and I were talking, man, if we had more people, this Dover Date Night would be so much harder To organize and pull off, it'd be expensive. I mean, right now it's free for parents. But, you know, the more kids you have, the more activities, the more snacks, the more crafts, you know, all that stuff. You start to rack up a bit of a bill and it would just be this logistical nightmare. Whereas the size our church is right now, you know, we can do a really great job on a really good budget and serve people
0: and make a really big impact in those lives. And the young parents in our church, they just bring their kids they drop them off in the nursery, and they do what they wish they could do every Sunday morning at 1030, drop their kids off in the nursery, and then go out to eat together. <laughs> that's right. right. Skip church, go out for a nice breakfast, leisurely brunch, but they get to do that on Valentine's night, no less. Yeah,
2: so that's just a really fun thing that we do, and like I said, this is the second year we've done it, and all the parents were excited for us to bring it back, and the kids were as well, and it just, I, we just thought, man... What if instead we were focusing on like, oh, couples movie night as a church growth strategy, you know, and instead of focusing on how can we serve the people we have right now, we were thinking, how can we leverage, you know, Valentine's Day into growing the church and making it bigger and all this kind of stuff? No, we're, we're trying to serve the people we have, not always be looking for more people. We could
0: have had couples movie night. Friday night, we could have brought a movie in, put it on the big screen, like A Thief in the Night or A Distant Thunder, <laughs> you know, something like that. Yes. Yeah. It, hey, it's, it's, it's new for a new generation. Hey, man. The old people are laughing right now, and the young people are like, what's what the 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 thief what A Thief somewhere. in the Night? I know A Thief That's sad that I know So this is. reminds me of what Carl, oh, Carl, yeah, Carl Ryland. This reminds me <laughs> of what Dan Ryland said recently. He said, sometimes when we're resourceless— when we don't have as many resources it forces us to get more creative and one of the ways that we've also been created creative at our church is that we use coffee mugs what are they porcelain is that what they're not porcelain they're yeah. pewter they're like coffee eh. mugs are porcelain yeah, yeah coffee mugs yeah. we use real coffee mugs on sunday morning one of one of the folks at our church said you know what we have all this styrofoam every Sunday morning. The styrofoam cups—they're overflowing in the and the little waste basket in the lobby. What if we just did real coffee mugs and we didn't have to, you know, plug up the landfills? You know, he's one of these hippie know, environmental right, types. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But there's also the cost of buying all these styrofoam cups. That's right, and there's also the feel of a mug in a person's yes. hand, and the volume you get with the mug. <laughs> volume is more. <laughs> and on a cold winter day, they put their Left hand on the handle, yeah. they put the right hand around the bottom. They warm up, then they get washed. Now we, you couldn't do that in a church of five or six hundred people. It would be a nightmare. You couldn't have you to have have, to many have a, a, a main dishwashing facility back in the kitchen uh, <laughs> yeah. to wash you know four or five hundred cups. Yeah, I mean we can get by with I don't know what we have fifty or sixty or seventy or whatever there is. Yeah, uh, we used a lot of them this past weekend, but. The people love it, and they're all mismatched. There's all different kinds We did kinds a mug drive. It
2: gave people a chance. Bring in. Everybody's got old mugs they don't want. So
0: I thought, when it said bring your mug, I thought you were supposed to make a face when you oh came or Oh, my
2: goodness. Wow. There so, it is. Yeah,
0: so you got to get creative when you're small. See, and these are things, these two things we can do as a small church, and our people love it. Yeah. They they just, they love those mugs. They they, they just, and I I've never had a cup of coffee, so... I don't know what it's like. That's such a tragedy. It's a travesty, isn't For what? It? For what reason? For what reason have I not yeah. had one? Because I've never found a reason to have That's one. incredible. That makes no sense. Here, hand me that Diet Coke, <laughs> would you? I need a little caffeine. <laughs> so... As a small church, you need to celebrate the things that you can do, yes. celebrate the things that make, that make you, uh, because you're small, make you better in, in your community and as you serve the people around you. You know, as you were talking, Johnny, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the seven-foot-tall guy who plays for the NBA, and then I'm thinking about the little guy who rides the horse in the horse race, the jockey, right? Sure. I mean, they're just built for two different things, and it would be ridiculous For the jockey to mope around all his life because he can't be in the NBA. Right. Because he can do You know what? We can all do things the way we are. Yeah. So today we're celebrating the size of our church and we're saying our church is big enough and God wants to use us today right where we are at the size we are. So we hope
2: that this has been encouraging to you. If it has been, again, we implore you, give it to your friends. Uh, Give it to your pastor buddies um, you know anybody that you know who you think would be encouraged by this? We are we are committed to encouraging and equipping small church pastors, and really committed to having the best possible content on the podcast. To that end, so pass it around. Uh, we appreciate it, and I think that they'll appreciate it too. But but it's implore, implore,
0: it's, Tony, That's akin to begging. We no, I would like to say we humbly beseech Ooh, wow. our listeners we, to share in whatever way they deem appropriate. We
2: courteously
0: thank request. You. you you say it. You say thank you.
2: Thank you so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast.
0: We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 Church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.